Okay, so tonight we will be uh, begin in Deuteronomy 31, where we were last time at the end of Deuteronomy 30, was Moses uh, set before the Israelites at the end of Deuteronomy 30, this choice uh, of life. And uh, you see in verse 19, Moses says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you, the Israelites today, that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live you and your descendants by loving the Lord your God by obeying his voice and by holding fast to him for this is your life and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give them Deuteronomy 31 verse 1 so Moses went and spoke all these words to all Israel and he said to them I am 120 years old today I am no longer able to come and go, and the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross this Jordan. It is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them just as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will deliver them up before you, and you shall do to them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall give it to them as an inheritance. And the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So here we have uh, the beginning of the commissioning of Joshua, which will take place in verse 23. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, in verse 2, Moses reminds uh, Israel that the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross this Jordan. We will come back to that uh, at the end of the study this evening, so I'll just put that on hold for now. And then in verse 3, of course, Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, the Israelites, just as the Lord has spoken. And then he reminds them of their defeats of Sihon and Og as a word of encouragement to them as they're headed into Canaan to defeat those seven nations. In verse 6 he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble. Verse 7, Be strong and courageous. Verse 8, Do not fear or be dismayed. And then in verse 23, in the uh, commissioning proper, he also says, Uh, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And so we see this uh, fourfold exhortation to Joshua to be strong and courageous and to not be afraid. And some of the commentators uh, note uh, that this might be reflective of uh, Joshua's personality. He might have been uh, one who was prone uh, to fear And uh, so we see these multiple exhortations to Joshua to be strong and courageous. And uh, that's such a word of encouragement. And of course the word of encouragement definitely comes in verse 8 at the end of this section which I just read. And the Lord is the one who, who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And so we see this is not um, an irrational uh, courage. Um, This is a completely rational courage that uh, Joshua is being called to. It's rational because he's going into a situation and the Lord has promised to be with him, nor to fail him, nor to forsake him. Right, And this is the same 
reason that we, as well, ought not to fear or be dismayed, because Jesus says that he will be with us, and even by his Spirit, he indwells us and goes with us wherever we go. And so a word of encouragement in that regard. Verse 9, So Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the time of the year of the remission of debts, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place which he shall choose, you shall read this law in front of all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, the men and the women and children and the alien who is in your town, in order that they may hear and learn and fear the Lord your God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law. And their children who have not known will hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live on the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. And so we see here, I want to emphasize this, this is uh, very important. We will see it again in verse 24, uh, where it says in verse 9, So Moses wrote this law. This is why we, on the uh, very conservative side of things in uh, Protestant Christianity, affirm Mosaic authorship of uh, the Pentateuch, specifically the book of the law here in Deuteronomy. And it's because the book itself says that Moses wrote this law. And uh, that's really important for us. And as a word of encouragement to believe that for all of you, uh, I would also note that Jesus himself noted that Moses wrote this law. And so we should not be dismayed by those uh, on the left or in liberal circles who deny Mosaic authorship of the Pentateuch because the Pentateuch itself bears witness to Moses' writing. And so please be encouraged by that. And of course, this book of the law, this book of Deuteronomy, uh, is to be read every seven years, verse 10, at the time of the year of remission of debts, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to the appointed place. And of course, the reason for that is not just to be a reminder to all of the Israelites, but you can see in verse 13 that you have this uh, new generation of children every seven years or so uh, who will then hear the entire book of the law read for the first time as they're somewhere between one and seven years old. And so it would, and what is the purpose? The purpose is that verse 12, that they may hear and learn and fear the Lord your God and be careful to observe all the words of this law. We don't have evidence that this actually uh, happened uh, in Israel. Nonetheless, God commands them uh, to read the law and to learn from the law. And of course, if they don't do that, then they will forget the law, which we will see here in a few verses. Verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the time for you to die is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting, that I may commission him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood at the doorway of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers, and this people will arise and play the harlot with strange gods of the land, into the midst of which they are going, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they shall be consumed, and many evils and troubles shall come upon them. So that they will say in that day, Is it not because our God is not among us that these evils have come upon us? 
But I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil which they will do, for they will turn to other gods. Now, therefore, write this song for yourselves and teach it to the sons of Israel. Put it on their lips, in order that this song may be a witness for me against the sons of Israel. For when I bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and are satisfied and become prosperous, then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and spurn me and break my covenant. Then it shall come about, when many evils and troubles have come upon them, that this song will testify before them as a witness, for it shall not be forgotten from the lips of their descendants. For I know their intent, which they are developing today, before I have brought them into the land which I swore. So Moses wrote this song the same day, and taught it to the sons of Israel." So we see here in verses 14 and following, uh, as Joshua is ready to be commissioned, that the Lord says to Moses in verse 16, This people will arise and play the harlot with the strange gods of the lands of Canaan. They will forsake me, says the Lord, and they will break my covenant which I have made with them. And we have seen this before, this prophetic word from Yahweh to Moses that the Israelites will not keep the book of the law when they go into Canaan. And as a result of that, verse 17, Then my anger, says the Lord, will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them. Hide my face is another way of saying, I will curse them. They shall be consumed. Verse 18, I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil which they will do. And we have seen these curses. We saw them back in Deuteronomy chapter 28. We saw them back at the end of Leviticus as well. And so this is not news. And so Moses is commanded to write a song. And that song, of course, is chapter 32, or at least the the bulk of chapter 32, which we will go through here in a few minutes. And the purpose of the song is uh, the, the stated purpose of the song is in verse 19 that this song may be a witness for me against the sons of Israel. And the other purpose of the song is in verse 21. Not, it's not just a witness, but it will not be forgotten from the lips of their descendants. And of course we know that uh, musical uh, songs are, are easily remembered. In fact, if we want to memorize things, including scripture, uh, we should put that scripture to psalm uh, or to song. And uh, of course, we know that uh, we there may be songs that we haven't heard for decades, and then that song comes on the radio, and we can remember the lyrics, and we wonder. Uh, why that is, how that could be the case. Well, in fact, God has wired our brains in such a way that songs uh, are much more easy to remember than prose. And so we see here that Moses is commanded to write this song, and it is a witness against Israel. And I'll talk a little bit about that as we are headed into chapter 32. And, And Then the forgetfulness of Israel, verse 20. For when I bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and are satisfied and become prosperous, then they will turn to other gods and serve them and spurn me and break my covenant. So the Israelites will um, be fat, dumb, and happy, and then they will forget. And so uh, that is uh, very often what happens to those who prosper, is they forget the Lord their God. And then one more clause here in verse 21, 
God says, for I know their intent, right? And so this is, uh, this is the compatibilist nature. So God is sovereign. However, it is clearly the intent of the Israelites in Deuteronomy 32.21 to spurn the Lord their God. It says, I know their intent which they are developing today before I have brought them into the land which I Swore, And so God knows their hearts. He knows that they will not obey. He knows they will turn away. And so he knows that the curses are coming. Verse 23. Then he, God, commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. So uh, this is the commissioning proper of Joshua as the successor to Moses and the leader of the Israelites into the land of Canaan. Deuteronomy thirty-two, twenty-three, verse 24. And it came about when Moses finished writing the words of this law in a book, as I previously mentioned, right? Repeating um, the specific issue of Mosaic authorship. And it came about when Moses finished writing the words of this law in a book until they were complete, that Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may remain there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stubbornness. Behold, while I am still alive with you today, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more then after my death? Assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their hearing, and call the heavens and the earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will act corruptly, and turn from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days, for you will do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger with the work of your hands. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel the words of this psalm, until they were complete. So again here, we had previously seen, verse 16, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers, and this people will arise and play the harlot with the strange God. So the Lord has already said this to Moses, and then here in verses 24 and following, Moses speaks to the Levites to take the book of the law, and then he says to them exactly what God has already told him. Verse 27, I know your rebellion and your stubbornness. Behold, while I am still alive with you today, you have been rebellious against the Lord. This goes back to this intent. Even while Moses was still living, the intention of the Israelites was to be rebellious. And then, of course, he says, how much more then after my death? And then he calls this song to witness against them. And he says in verse 29, And after my death you will act corruptly and turn from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days. Okay? And so that is what we are actually going to see in the song. We have seen it before in the uh, chapters on cursings, and then we will see it again here in Deuteronomy chapter 32, the song of Moses. And I want to say at the outset, just as we are moving through the song here, that this is a song that is a witness against Israel that prophesies the judgment of Israel as well as the judgment of the nation who judges Israel. Okay? And so this is a song of judgment. That's what we need to understand. So as we move through, and we'll move through relatively quickly here, as we move through the song 
of Moses. I want you to see that. It is a song of judgment against Israel and a song of judgment against the nation who judges Israel, whom God uses to judge Israel. So let's see that. So let's begin in 32, verse 1. Moses sings, I will say sings since it's a song. Give ear, O heavens, and let me speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as the droplets on the fresh grass, and as the showers on the herb. So Moses is calling the, the heavens and the earth as witnesses to what he's about to sing or speak to the Israelites. And we saw that back in chapter 31, verse 28. And I think I was probably saying chapter 32. I was actually in 31. So my wife is nodding to me. Yes, so um, I, I assume that you all were following. I apologize for that. So back in 31, 28, it says, Assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their hearing and call the heavens and the earth to witness against them. And so here in Deuteronomy 32, the song of Moses, uh, Moses is calling the heavens and the earth as witnesses here in these words that he's about to speak. So verses 1 and 2 are the prelude, as it were, to the song. Verse, verses 3 and 4 are proclamations in the song um, about the greatness of God, the attributes of God. Verse 3, For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice. And so he's singing the praises of God. And then in verse 5 he begins this contrast and the contrast is between God and his people. Verse 5, they have acted corruptly toward him, God. They are not his children because of their defect, but are a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is not he your father who has bought you? He has made you and established you? So in verses 5 and 6, Moses in the song is providing this contrast, the contrast between God and his people. They've acted corruptly and they are a perverse and crooked generation right there at the end of verse 5. And I would note here that in Matthew chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus picks up on this theme of perverse and crooked generation as he's speaking to the Jews in front of him because they came to him and were seeking a sign. And then the, the rhetorical question, do you thus repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is not he your father who has bought you, he has made you and established you? In verse 7, there's a couple of verses, uh, one verse actually here, where the Israelites are called to remember and to ask about the days of old. So verse 7, remember the days of old. Consider the years of all generations. Ask your father and he will inform you. Your elders and they will tell you. And so the, the younger Israelites are instructed here to go to the older Israelites. This is a, um, often a theme of, of, uh, of songs uh, is to rely on the older generations 
uh, right, for their wisdom, for their experience, for their knowledge. And so these Israelites are exhorted to do that. And in fact, this case, I would argue that part of consulting the days of old and, and the fathers and the elders is to go back to the book of the law. And uh, the Israelites obviously did not do that. So, verse 8 what are, they, what are they to go to their fathers and elders to ask about? Well, in verses 8 through 14, the fathers and the elders are to remind the Israelites of Yahweh's great care for his people Israel. So this is what that looks like, beginning in verse 8. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of a wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young. He spread his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. The Lord alone guided him, and there was no foreign god with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, and he ate the produce of the field. And he made him suck honey from the rock, and oil from the flinty rock. Curds of cows, and milk of the flock, with fat of lambs and rams, the breed of Bashan and goats, with the finest of the wheat, and of the blood of grapes, you drank Wine, And so this is one of the things that the fathers and the elders are to remember. And that is the story of old, beginning with the calling of Jacob in the wilderness. He found him, verse 10, in a desert land. And then he took care of him. He cared for him, it says in verse 10. right, Like an eagle that stirs up its nest. And, and he gave him wine to drink, the blood of grapes to drink. Right? And so all of these great things that Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel, has done for Jacob and for his progeny, the nation of Israel, the twelve tribes. That is what they are to remember. Verse 15, here is the word but, and it is a but of judgment. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You are grown fat, thick and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. They made him jealous with strange gods. With abominations they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, new gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. You neglected the rock who begot you and forgot the God who gave you birth. So in spite of all of these great things that are described in verses 8 through 14, these great things that God has done for Israel, they have neglected him and they have forgotten him. And so this is, drives God to jealousy. Verse 16, they made him, Yahweh, jealous with strange gods. Verse 19, and the Lord saw this and spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. Then he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a perverse generation, sons in whom is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled in my anger and burns to the lowest part of Sheol and consumes the earth with its yield and sets on fire the foundation of the mountains. And so we here have in verses 19 through 22, we have this curse of God. 
right? The curse of God. You can see that in verse 20. I will hide my face from them, right? And then not just the curse, but then in verses 23 and 20 through 25, we have this clear aspects of judgment. I will heap misfortunes on them. I will use my arrows on them. They shall be wasted by famine and consumed by plague and bitter destruction. And the teeth of beasts I will send upon them with the venom of crawling things of the dust. Outside the sword shall be reeve and inside terror, both young man and virgin, the nursling with the man of gray hair. And so we see the extent again of these judgments and curses that will come upon Israel after they have neglected the rock who got them and forgot the God who gave them life. And this is not news to us. Again, we have been through the curses multiple times in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, in verses 26 and 27, there's a transition. So let me read them and then we'll see what the transition is. God is speaking. I would have said, I will cut them to pieces. I will remove the memory of them from men. Had I not feared the provocation by the enemy, lest their adversaries should misjudge, lest they should say, our hand is triumphant and the Lord has not done all this. So what's happening here? Let me tell you. So what's happening here is, let's go back to the end of verse 21 briefly, right? It says, I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. And so God is prophesying that he's going to bring in as the instrument of his judgment and justice on Israel for their idolatry, a foolish nation, a different nation on earth to come in and be his instrument of judgment. And God says in verses 26 and 27 that he would have let that nation come in and destroy Israel completely except for the fact that that particular judgment, verse 27, or that, that particular nation in verse 27, where it says, lest their adversaries, that's the foolish nation, should misjudge, lest they should say, our hand is triumphant and the Lord has not done all this. Okay? And so God pulls up, he stops the complete obliteration of Israel by this adversarial nation because God wants the credit for it. And he doesn't want that nation to take the credit for it. And in fact, that is exactly what happened with Assyria. If, and we're not going to go there tonight, but if you'd like to do a little bit of extra study after uh, the, the study tonight, you can go to Isaiah chapter 10 and you can see that God prophesies or, or declares that he will judge Assyria because they, Assyria, were taking credit for the judgment on Israel. And in fact, it is not them who should get credit, it is God who should get credit. So this prophecy in verses 26 and 27 are actually fulfilled, and you can see that in Isaiah chapter 10. Now, verses 28 through 38 is talking about that nation. In, this, in the case of Isaiah 10, uh, it is the nation of Assyria. Some of the commentaries, um, at least um, postulate that verses 28 and following are about Israel. Um, 
Some of the commentaries say this is about this adversarial nation. I believe that these following verses are about the adversarial nation. So we have seen the judgment on Israel, and now we will see the judgment on this adversarial nation. Verse 28, For they are a nation lacking in counsel, and there is no understanding in them. Would that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would discern their future. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up? Indeed, their rock is not like our rock. Even our enemies themselves judge this. For their vine is from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison, their clusters bitter. Their wine is the venom of serpents and the deadly poison of cobras. Is it not laid up in store with me, sealed up for my treasuries? Vengeance is mine, and retribution. In due time their foot will slip, for the day of their calamity is near, and the impending things are hastening upon them. For the Lord will vindicate his people, and will have compassion on his servants, when he sees that their strength is gone, and there is none remaining, bond or free. And he will say, Where are their gods, the rock in which they sought refuge? Who ate their the fat of their sacrifices, and drank the wine of their libation. Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your hiding place. And so we see this judgment on this adversarial nation. They forgot. They did not attribute glory to God in the judgment. And you can see uh, in here the wine, uh, verse thirty-three. The wine is the ven- their wine is the venom of serpents and the deadly poison of cobras. Right. And then God remembers to have compassion on His servants in verse thirty-six, so that a foolish nation like Assyria cannot go too far. God says, "You shall go this far and no further." Verse 39, See now that I, I am He, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal, and there is no one who can deliver from my hand. Indeed, I lift up my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on justice, I will render vengeance on my adversaries and I will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired leaders of the enemy. Rejoice, O nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance on his adversaries and will atone for his land and his people. So as we finish up here this Song of Moses, um, go back to verse 35, Vengeance is mine and retribution. I would note here that that verse is quoted uh, twice in the New Testament, once in Romans chapter 12 verse 19, and uh, once in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 30. Right? And so the, uh, the, the New Testament writers pick up on that. I note here as a matter of historical significance, uh, in verse 35 where it says, In due time their foot will slip. Uh, that verse actually might be familiar to some of you. It is actually the sermon text for Jonathan Edwards' sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. So if you go off and, and uh, look at that text uh, in PDF or, or something uh, on the internet, you will see that Deuteronomy 32:35 is actually the sermon text for that, uh, that sermon. And then in verses 39 and following, you see God declaring uh, who he is. I am he. There is no God besides me. And he's declaring his sovereignty. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded and it is I who heal. And there is no one. There, who can deliver 
from my hand. So we come to the Song of Moses. I will make one more comment uh, as we finish up uh, this evening, but let's pick up in verse 44. Then Moses came and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people, he with Joshua, the son of Nun. When Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. For it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. And the Lord spoke to Moses that very same day, saying, Go up to this mountain of the Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and look at the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the sons of Israel for a possession. Then die on the mountain where you ascend, and be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother died on Mount Hor, and was gathered to his people, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the sons of Israel at the waters of Mirabah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel. For you shall see the land at a distance, but you shall not go there, into the land which I am giving the sons of Israel. And so we see here at the end of Deuteronomy 32 a restatement of what God had previously said all the way back at the beginning of Deuteronomy 31 verse 2. And of course we have seen this before that Moses is not allowed to cross into the promised land because uh, God told him to speak to the rock back in Numbers chapter 20 and instead of speaking to the rock he struck the rock and so because of his anger uh, God told him that he was not allowed to pass into the promised land. And I made the point at the time back in Numbers chapter 20 that that is actually a very good thing for us theologically, right? Because Moses represents the law and the fact that Moses cannot cross the Jordan and go into the promised land uh, is representative of the fact that our works righteousness or our adherence to the law doesn't get us and move us into the promises of God, but instead we need a successor to Moses, who of course is Joshua, and of course Jesus uh, is the modern name of Joshua. We need a successor to Moses, which means Yahweh saves to bring us into the promises of of God, And so theologically speaking, from a redemptive historical standpoint, uh, it, it makes total sense that Moses was not allowed to cross into the promised land. As one final note, um, perhaps you know that the Song of Moses itself um, appears at one place in the New Testament. And that place is Revelation chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. So as we finish up tonight, if you would turn with me to Revelation chapter 15, I want you to see the Song of Moses in the New Testament. Revelation chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last because in them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mixed with fire. And those who had come off victorious from the beast and from his image and from the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of gold. 
And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, you King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before thee. For your righteous acts have been revealed. And so we see the song of Moses, the song of judgment, coming again in Revelation chapter 15. So next time we are together, Lord willing, we will pick up in Deuteronomy 33 and 34 and close out the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, that is all for tonight.